Okie dokie. Chris, could you bring up Psalm 15 for me, please? While Chris is doing that, I've got some questions for you. What is integrity? How do we get it? How do we use it? And what difference will integrity make to our lives? (coughs) Integrity can be a bit difficult to define. In the dictionary, uh, we find that integrity is defined as sticking to moral and ethical principles. In everyday life, integrity is defined as being honest and trustworthy. You might say, Ah yes, I know such and such. He's a man of integrity. You know? You hear that sometimes. If we base integrity on these two definitions, we end up with live, by living our lives based on a moral truth of our choosing and hoping others see us as trustworthy and right. And both these definitions are right, yet at the same time incomplete. Integrity is so much more. Let's see what Psalm 15 says. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent, who may live on your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth in their heart, whose tongue does not slander, who does not wrong a neighbour, who casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person, but honours those who fear the Lord, who keep an oath, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bride, a bribe, a bride, a bribe against the innocent, and whoever does these things will never be shaken. Thanks, Chris. Verse 1 qualifies those who may commune with God and enter into his rest. This is not a list of commandments, but this is a list of instruction in regard to a lifestyle. They must be blameless. They must do what is righteous. Thanks, you can take it off. Thanks, Chris. They must be blameless. They must do what is righteous. They must speak the truth. They must not slander. They must not wrong a neighbour. They must not cast a slur on others. They must not dispose of a uh, dispose dispose despise a vile person. They must honour those who fear the Lord. They must keep an oath even when it hurts. They must not change their mind. They must not charge interest on their loans and they must not accept bribes against the innocent. And I love the last two lines, whoever does these things will not be shaken. Have you been shaken? Has your faith been shaken at some time? You're worried? I hope I, hope I go to heaven. I think I'll go to heaven. Yeah, I'm pretty sure 
uh, I'll go to heaven. I'm, yeah, I'll go to church a fair bit and, you know, I'm, I'm a good person, you know. That's not a Christian lifestyle. That's rubbish. The biblical view shows that we must display more than just being honest and trustworthy. Sure, they are great virtues, but there's more to that than living the Christian life. This list is a life-changing concept that presents challenges to us as we contemplate changing various aspects of our life or lives. Psalm 25, please, Chris, verse 21. This psalm talks about being protected because of our uprightness and our integrity. Twenty-five, twenty-one. Thanks. In Psalms. Or just um, seems to be a problem there. Could someone read that psalm out for me, please? Thanks, Sandra. Oh, may integrity and righteousness protect me because my hope is in you. Okay. So, we're being protected No go? Oh, here we go. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. I find this very, very interesting. Do we like to be protected? Okay, a few nods. Um... I find this an interesting concept, and I'll get you to leave that on there for a little while, please. Um, because it's a kind of a, oh, a kind of a trade-off, in a way. It's like if we display a life of integrity, then we will enjoy God's protection because our hope is in Him. You, you understand? If we if we fulfil our side of the bargain, then God will protect us. Why? Because our hope is in him. Don't put your hope in the whiskey bottle or the footy or gambling or any worldly stuff. Even other religions, don't put your hope in those. It's okay to take an interest, but... Our hope is in Christ. Now, protection is an expensive business these days. 
All the important people have an entourage of individuals to protect them. Have you seen what happens when the US president goes up the street for a carton of milk? Or even if he goes on an overseas visit? He has that much protection. He even has three helicopters and two of them have fake presidents in them. <laughs> Amazing that one person can be so important. But even all the important people have protection. And even the mafia will protect your house or your shop if you give them some money. It won't burn down, but that's a different kind of protection, isn't it? But protection is an expensive business and all the important people have an entourage of individuals to protect them. But this protection deal that we're talking about from God actually works back to front. Instead of paying money or instead of pleading the blood or instead of doing works to receive protection, all... All we have to do is to live lives of God's style of integrity. That's all we have to do. Just live the life. You know, you could stick a fair bit in here. You know, like imagine, oh, imagine if you had a tax lotto win and, and you stuck, you know, like a million dollars in there, wouldn't Dennis? Get a shock when you went to count the money. But you could stick a stack of dough in there and it will not make one scrap of difference to how God views you. Do you know what I mean? Because it's about how we live, not doing works to get somewhere better, to try to impress God. So, folks, are you up to the challenge? I give you a copy of the integrity list, but I don't need to. It's already in your Bible in Psalm 15. You've got a copy of the list. Choose a version. They're all pretty much the same. Now, remember that when we read this one up on the screen, Psalm twenty-five, twenty-one. that our hope is in who? The Lord. Our hope in the Lord is in... So our hope is in the Lord. Um, so why should we invest in worldly ways for a fruitful life, okay, when you can invest your life in God... By living your life of good integrity, that will display godly fruit. Can anyone tell me some of the godly fruit that we should display? Uh, is that the fruit of the Spirit? Certainly is. Uh, love, hope, joy, peace. Patience. Patience. Kindness. 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 Yep. Okay. That's another sermon for another day. But you can see that when you live a life of integrity, the fruit of the Spirit just come out of you. You know what I mean? 
You don't have to try to be kind to people. If you follow this list, it will just be automatic. Okay. Sometimes we need to fight hard, you know, fight hard to maintain our integrity. There are two forces at work in this world. Can anyone tell me what they are? You nailed it, Chris. That's it. Good and evil. Whose side are we on? The good side. And I think the good news is that, you know, when the devil left and he took a third of the angels, he's got one third. God's got two thirds and plus every other person that gets saved every day. Winning, winning. So, two forces at work. God's spirit, which creates integrity within us, and the other force is a spirit of selfishness which causes us to lose our integrity. Integrity is lost by selfishness, folks. Yes. Pride. Mm-hmm. The world will seek to rob us of our integrity. And let me say, folks, it can take years and years and years and a lifetime to build good integrity and it can be lost like that. Okay? It can be lost, bang, just like that. Does anyone know the Jimmy Swaggart story? Tele-evangelist, on fire for God, doing really good, and bang. Committed adultery. Integrity gone in two seconds. Now his ministry's up and going. You can flick your telly onto SBN and watch him and he's good. He's managed to come back quite well from that which was a severe blow. And not many big time pastors or any pastors can come back from committing such a sin. He's done well. He's done very well. But it can be avoided in the first place. The world will seek to rob us of our integrity. People and situations will intentionally and unintentionally corrupt and compromise our integrity. I used to work in the track gang when I was on the railways and we'd go along and fix up the track, put in new sleepers and new bits of train line and stuff like that. One day I was at, when we worked, I was worked with six other blokes who were sev- seven of us in this gang. Anyway, one day, it's lunchtime, and I couldn't find my work bag anywhere. And I looked where I left it, wasn't there. Looked in the truck toilet and all the cupboards and in the back, oh, under the truck, someone had hidden my lunch, you see. Oh, couldn't find it anywhere. And I could see a few guys having a bit of a giggle, you know, so just sat down and had no lunch for a while. I said, come on, guys, where's my lunchbox? Yeah, I'm getting hungry. When we go back to work after lunch, you'll be working and I will not be working till after I've eaten, period. 
Then, then Charlie says, oh, it's over here, we hid it in the grass, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Why did you hide my lunchbox? Well, we know you're a Christian, we wanted to see if we could make you swear. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. That's why they hid me lunchbox. See, they wanted to compromise my integrity. I don't swear. I don't swear. I used to swear. I used, oh, man, before I was a Christian... I used to be, it's not such a good thing to brag about, but I was probably one of the biggest swearers. And I went through a three-month period of having the Lord not just to stop me from swearing, but to actually remove those words from my vocabulary. The ultimate test is when you hit your thumb with the hammer, you'll soon know what words are in your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, make sure you're on your own because you don't want to compromise your integrity to somebody else. But you're still compromising it to the Lord if you That's exactly right. No, That's exactly right. No. But the Bible also says we should not cause others to stumble. And if someone says, oh, yep, you're a churchgoer and I heard you swear the other day when you whacked a thumb with a hammer. <laughs> what sort of a Christian are you? Can happen. I passed the test a few times. Sorry? You can jump up and down and you can go, Oh, it hurts so much. All right. Don't compromise on your integrity. Even if you do pull a burnt cake out of the oven or whatever it might be for the ladies. We are not born, folks, with a heart of integrity. If we want integrity, we have to find it and we have to fight for it. It's a struggle to fulfil that list in Psalms. You can take that verse off now, thanks, Chris. But it's a struggle to fill that list, fulfil that list that we read in Psalm 15. It's not easy. Some of the items there might be okay for you, but some could be a bit of a struggle. So we have to fight hard to maintain our integrity, especially in those areas of struggle. If we want to fight for integrity that comes from deep within, we must intimately intimately know and understand and love God's truth. What is God's truth? His commandments. No. His word. No. It is his word, but that's not what I'm after. Jesus is the way, the truth. So God's truth is Jesus. And, as Sandra said, Jesus is the Word. We know that because the Word became flesh in John chapter 1. Now, Jeff and Elsie had to leave. They've got a prior appointment somewhere. So, um, that's okay.
And it is this truth, Christ in fact, that develops wisdom in our lives and helps us to discern and put into practice the standards and the boundaries that form a heart of integrity. God's truth and wisdom go together. Folks, God's truth and wisdom go together. If you take the Bible, and I haven't got one here, but, yep, okay, so if you take a Bible, which is the truth, and you read it, but don't just, like, read it for head knowledge, but read it for heart understanding, read it and obey it, then you will be wiser than Confucius ever was. And he was apparently a very wise Chinaman, Confucius says. So if you want to gain a lot of wisdom, read the scriptures and actually act upon the obedience or be obedient unto the scriptures and you'll have so much wisdom, you will astound people. God's truth and wisdom go together. Making the wise choice in respect to the integrity listed in Psalm 15 is based on knowing the truth, understanding the truth and putting those truths into action in our lives. To help us, we need to make ourselves accountable to the people who are watching our lives. Who is watching your life? Not Jesus. What people are you making yourself accountable to? Okay. Is it your home group leader? Is it your pastor? I make myself accountable to the church board, to the church members in a way, but also I have a regional pastor that I'm also accountable to in respect to my pastoral um, duties with church and so on. No such thing as a free lunch, folks. We need to be accountable to somebody. A prayer partner. We're more likely to continue to make compromises to our actions when no one cares what we're doing or whether we're doing the wrong thing or if there's no one there to even find out if we're doing the wrong thing. Non-Christian family are the best at keeping us accountable. Anyone had that experience? Slip up, they'll let you know every time. And that's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing to be kept on track. Integrity is not something that you either have or you don't have. It's a lifestyle that we must intentionally strive for. Be intentional about striving for God's truth and wisdom. Fight against everything that tries to distract and rob you of integrity. We must learn to run hard after the things that matter. Could you imagine for a moment that Jesus is taken in a vision to the top of a temple and the devil says, throw yourself down, you'll be okay, you're the son of God. Or 
You've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Why don't you just turn these stones into bread and have a feed? But Jesus didn't want to compromise his integrity, did he? He was the Messiah. He was coming. He was preparing for his ministry, in fact. Imagine if he had compromised his integrity, where would we be now? We'd say, oh, Jesus was a good bloke. He did everything right. But he sinned once. Couldn't work. Couldn't work. Compromising our integrity leads to a breakdown in our relationship with the one who has prepared our future. Notice I didn't say with Jesus. You know, I get a bit thingy about preaching to people sometimes. And I think sometimes, you know, God's stuff just rolls in one ear and out the other ear. And people don't take too much notice. Not always. So I like to change things around. And if I say compromising our integrity can lead to a breakdown in our relationship with the one who has prepared our future, it makes people think a little bit. Black is black. White is white. It doesn't matter how small the compromise is. A breach of our integrity creates a wound. A compromise of our integrity then leads to justification. And when we get to the point of having to justify our words and our actions, then at that moment we become less than Christian. It's true. We maintain our integrity, then we don't have to try to justify our actions. Which speaks louder, actions or words? Exactly. We begin to allow godly ways and worldly ways to blend together into a kind of a blurred outlook that creates this sort of middle ground which is not the holy lifestyle that God has prepared for his people. It's like this blending of Worldly ways and Christian ways and justification. It's okay, I'll take Taps Lotto this week because if I win, I'll give 50% to missions. Bless me, Lord. No. We don't need the world's money to run the church because the world's resources are finite, folks. God's are not. We can't just proclaim to be honest. Our words and actions must line up. Otherwise, we expose ourselves to being scrutinised by others. Integrity is a hard choice because we need to deny our own selfish desires. That's hard sometimes. We miss the opportunity to get what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. This is a big part of what makes choosing integrity so hard. There are two things that help us 
to make the right choice. First, whatever we gain lasts only a moment, but God's truth lasts for eternity. Remember that when you're about to compromise your integrity, that whatever it is will not last very long, but God's truth will last forever. Secondly, we need to think about the consequences of the compromise action. You know, you make a compromise, you break your integrity, you make, oh, well, yeah, it's okay. When we make a compromise, folks, we are actually committing sin. So, then we get into this whole thing about dealing with the sin, which was totally avoidable in the first place. So we've got to think, how does our action affect other people? How does our action affect ourselves? Then we've got to think about the need for repentance and the need for change and then the humility to receive the forgiveness, you know, the guilt trip that we've put ourselves under. And then there's a challenge to change our lifestyle so that we don't do this thing again. Far better, folk. You know, what's the old saying? Prevention is better than the cure. Nearly finished. Plant your heart deep into God's truth. And remember that integrity is a choice. It started in that garden with Adam and Eve, didn't it? They were given the power to choose. They were given a free will. And they compromised their integrity. Remember, the guidelines are in Psalm 15. And remember the last two lines of this psalm. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Living the world is never easy. And every choice we make has repercussions in some way or another. And everything we do or say has this kind of a ripple effect on those that we know and even don't know. And this builds a reputation. And in Christianity, reputation is everything. Reputation is everything. If you want to be accepted by other Christians, reputation is everything. If you want to be rejected by the world, and we are and should be because the world in that sense is evil, reputation is important. Think about this ripple effect. And this happens when there is a mixing of words and actions that don't marry up together. It's like some church religions or denominations that have a mixture of grace and law. And it can't work. You can't work because the law has been fulfilled. The law has been fulfilled. And this is exactly the same.
Integrity means choosing what God says is right. And how do we know what God says is right? By looking to the scriptures. We must choose what God says is right, even when nobody else is looking, and even when the choice is not easy. God doesn't force us to live with integrity. It's your choice to go to heaven or hell. But in saying that, we have been predestined. He just lays down the guidelines. We choose a life of integrity because it means living a lifestyle that gives life and freedom. You don't regret choosing integrity, but you might regret a compromised lifestyle, both in this world and the next. And some people think they're okay. I don't believe in God. I don't need God. He's just a crutch for weak people. Okay. Enjoy hell. I know where I'm going because my name's in the book. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Psalm 15. We thank you for what it means to us. It's just five verses of guidelines for human beings to trust you. Lord, change our lives, change aspects, Lord, of our lives. Help us, Lord, in the weak areas and rejoice with us, Lord, when we show strength. I pray and ask, Lord, that we will all rise up to be people of great integrity. Help us, Lord, to keep accountable for our words and our actions and that they may go together well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Helen. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app, and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.